Welcome everybody to podcast number 182 of the MetaBeaters 2 podcast. I am your friend Ben. And I am your friend David. And tonight, what did you get me into here? What what did you have uh, me watch? Yeah, what rabbit hole. What <laughs> rabbit hole did I did I force you to climb down? Um, so tonight, <laughs> at my suggestion, unusually, because usually it's David who has the awesome suggestions of things to talk mm. about, we are very much enjoying, mm-hmm. um, or and hope you will too, <laughs> uh, talking about the new Daleks animation released by BBC, oh, sorry, um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Daleks, because it, ex- <laughs> it has an explanation. Uh, explanation yes. mark, explanation mark mm. after it. That has been produced by BBC Studios and some other animation studios. Studio Liddell. Studio Liddell, yeah. yes. Um, mm-hmm. There's a big article all about them in the current Doctor Who magazine special edition 2021 yearbook, which I was... Is there? Hmm. Yeah, it was, it's not as illuminating as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Mm. It's basically the, it's the two animators, well, actually not Liddell, um, Peter Craddock and John Doyle, mm-hmm. nattering about how fun it was to work on this. They enjoyed doing Daleks and Mechanoids. Daleks and Mechanoids, yep, Daleks and Mechanoids. Mm-hmm. But it, it is interesting, you know, I mean, you know, the various kind of game engines they use. I mean, it's all this stuff I've got enough. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about. Anyway, um, so background. Um, so this animation, which is available on YouTube and probably other places, but I think mainly on YouTube, is part of the... Uh, Money grab, known as... The, <laughs> it's, very, it's very cynical. Um, uh, sorry, the celebration, the festival is, of Doctor Who, I think. The festival of Doctor Who, commonly, more commonly known as Time Lord Victorious, which is sort of based around where the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, was roundabout kind of waters of mars time like he goes a bit nuts and then it goes back to the beginning of universe or something anyway a whole bunch of stuff happens and this is this is this is a thing across all platforms Mm -hmm. Uh, big finish gotten in on the game there's apparently a t-shirt that you're supposed to buy that helps you understand what's going on. No, there really is. I mean, you, you read that in DWM, <laughs> that, right? That's the no, I, I, did, I missed that. That's that's the Brian the Ood T-shirt. The Brian the Ood T-shirt, yes, okay. that tells you exactly what's going on. And there's some kind of live action escape room in London, which I probably wouldn't advise going to, given there's a pandemic on. But anyway, there's that. <laughs> to anyway, so it's a huge kind of and it's on the comic strip, which they've just canned actually in Doctor Who magazine, which I'm very yeah. upset about. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a multi-platform story, basically written by James Goss, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is a Dalek aspect of that story, done very much in the spirit of the 1960s TV action Century 21 Dalek strips, um, which, yes. as, as, as keen fans of Doctor Who will know, they've just published a kind of remastered version of those strips as a bookazine which i was very very excited to get because i love those 60s dalek one page comics did you reread it all yet? oh yeah oh yeah no they're they're great um they really Mm -hmm. are i mean it's well i mean it's difficult to get over here unfortunately for some reason i guess pandemic based but it is actually Mm -hmm. really really worth reading uh the artists who worked on the i mean there's a little bit of debate about who wrote those Century 21 strips, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was Terry Nation, whether it was David Whittaker, no one's really sure. But as illustrated by uh, Richard Jennings, a personal favourite of mine, or also I think the most famous illustrator of that strip is uh, Ron Turner. Mm. Um, Ron Turner is the one that everyone knows because Ron Turner also did uh, Thunderbirds and 
Fireball XL5 and uh, Captain Scarlet, I think, and all of those great Century 21 properties. A lot of Jerry Anderson work. Then. All the Jerry Anderson stuff, but he also just did these amazing kind of just off the wall Dalek uh, Dalek stories um, where mm -hmm. and he uh, he's not responsible for the and we'll come on to my disappointment with the the Dalek Emperor in this uh, particular uh, animation but anyway so a lot, lot of this kind of great design and basically the whole thing was in the 60s the Daleks were you know these big stars and mm -hmm. the Century 21 strips are basically the Daleks on their own um, mm -hmm. you know kicking ass and taking names basically and just being generally awesome across the galaxy conquering and destroying and fighting with each other and getting taken over by alien clouds um fighting against things in the lake of mutations um we get the kind of dalek origin story the daleks were not not created by davros they were the product of a uh, of a dalek scientist named yarveling you know, a whole bunch of kind of crazy Dalek mythology comes out of the 1960s huh. Dalek strips. Anyway, mm -hmm. so this animation is done in the kind of spirit of the 1960s. I think particularly the Ron Turner illustrations, even though I actually prefer Richard Jennings. Especially if the hover platforms for the Daleks. Yeah, the hoverbouts, which is, mm -hmm. you know, very kind of smart invention of the strip, which, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, even in the 60s, people were kind of worried about the fact that Daleks couldn't climb stairs. Right, right. And nor can mechanoids, actually, but no one worries about that. Uh, <laughs> so the Daleks were given these hoverbouts, which are these kind of little platforms that Daleks sit on, and then they fly around, generally being arses and, and upsetting people with their violence. So, yeah. Right, yeah. So it, uh, what we get free on YouTube to kind of kick off this Timeler Victorious uh, Media Blitz right. is a five-episode story, which is very much in the spirit of these uh, 1960s comics written by James Goss. Right. And it starts out with the archive of Isolus and then continues on through the planet of Mechanoids to yep. the Day of Reckoning with a couple episodes in between there to pad it out to five stories. <laughs> right. Or five episodes. But I was surprised how much it hooked me in i guess so oh, I, I, I thank you for suggesting it because when i first kind of watched I, I wasn't able to get through like the first five minutes of the archives of isolus i thought yeah this is kind of right. video game animation it's not very Fair. engaging so i'm watching it for the podcast they're like all right i'll soldier on through it but by the time i got to the fifth episode end of the fifth episode i was ready to go and sort of like what this is it yeah <laughs> leave leave right. me hanging here right right no it's it's remarkably good i actually i had the same reaction as you i mean i you know i just said i'm a big fan of those dalek comic strips from mm -hmm. from the 60s so you know and, and and again i think i probably said this before on the podcast um you know the great successes the great success for me of a lot of the recent animations are is the animation of machinery so the daleks in right. power of the daleks are fantastic they look really great because they're you know you can animate them they're very mm -hmm. easy to animate because they're you know they're hard surfaces right. so i was uh, i was you know I, <laughs> I i knew that i would enjoy this um mm -hmm. i was trying to find this before the podcast but unfortunately i haven't been able to there was there's a website that i used to follow is that the right word? Anyway, about a decade ago, there was a guy who was doing basically a weekly page of a 60s Dalek epic in the style of, of those comic strips, but with CGI. Um, and was that Second Empire? No, it was something... It, it, 
Oh, here you go. Yeah, wait a second, I found it. Jeez. Isn't it Dalek's Second Empire? No, no. So, okay, so the site to go to, this is, I used to, and I actually haven't looked at this for years, and it suddenly rem- reminded me when I was watching this animation. It's a site called www.mechmaster.co.uk. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Second Empire. Oh, is he well known? You had mentioned this to me uh, like a years ago oh, when it, okay. when he started oh. saying, you got to check this out. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Right. So yeah, MechMaster, CG Lair. Yeah. Yeah. Second Empire. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, I'm, okay. Well, you can you can edit all that out. Me kind of <laughs> trying to remember what I told you years ago. Yeah, it's in, it's in the same style and is immensely entertaining, even though a little bit uh, eccentric in its kind of storytelling. And mm-hmm. involves kind of all the different kinds of Daleks, including like Daleks from jigsaws and stuff like that. Right. But there's so much to enjoy by taking Daleks out of a kind of we are the Daleks, we're the evil space Nazis and the Doctor has to defeat us. And just kind of letting the Daleks be themselves because we know, you know, they're cunning, um, they're manipulative, they're super intelligent, they hate everybody apart from themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to tell with Daleks, and I got a very strong. It was it was a very enjoyable five episodes mm-hmm. worth of animation. Yeah, you get to see primarily the prime strategist be a very crafty David Whitaker, Power of the Dalek style Dalek. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean it was fun to watch, and I didn't predict the uh, the concluding episode, the twist at the end. So right, right. Not to spoil it for anyone, but the story is going by at such a nice clip that I wasn't there trying to figure out, okay, what's happening next, what's happening next. I just kind of let the whole Daleks exclamation point experience wash over me. It was it, it was fun. It was it was uh it was an enjoyable bit once I got past the very video gaminess of the whole visual presentation. Yeah, you really have to I mean like all Doctor Who really, you really have to suspend aspects of your visual belief in order to mm. kind of enjoy it. And once again, once you get over you know, obviously, you know, they were they weren't really able to animate smoke or clouds or, you know, anything that is <laughs> explosions were explosions. <laughs> anything that's not hard edged like a Dalek mm-hmm. or a mech. But once you get past that as a thing, then mm-hmm. it becomes immensely enjoyable. And and again, the story kind of whizzes by at a great speed. It doesn't yep. really allow you time to look at the joins and kind of get bored. Um, you're just mm-hmm. kind of immediately straight in there. You know, the Dalek strategist, who's this kind of ancient, you know, his casing is a kind of original Dalek casing, whereas yeah. the majority of the Daleks have a have the kind of the, the 2005 New Who casing. Um, mm-hmm. And he's the kind of manipulative, you know, well, he's the Dalek strategist. His job is to, yep. to assist the Emperor in, mm-hmm. you know, ensuring that the Daleks are the supreme beings in the universe, which is, you mm-hmm. know, a fair dues. That's what Daleks should be doing. Yeah, I thought it was really funny that after the Emperor got in a bit of a scrape, not not to expand on that too much, that the very next episode, he was all shiny, golden and stuff, but the Dalek strategist still was all beat up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but the Daleks, so I think yeah. it's a chosen look for the strategist. Yeah, no, the, the Dalek strategist, he really doesn't care. He's like, right. I don't care what it look like. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just generally hard and I don't care about anybody apart from Daleks. And, you know, my job is to make sure that Daleks are the supreme. Um, rulers of the universe and as i said that's that's all daleks really should do i i'm I'm just trying to find out what the name of the the character was i i the the, there was i was slightly disappointed there's a robot in it 
um, a robot guardian, um, which I'm blanking on its name. Was uh, that the Sentinel robot? Yeah, or? the Sentinel, which was a little bit of a kind of a bog standard um, video game from the yeah. mid 1990s. R41. Yeah. I would have loved that design to have been taken from another Doctor Who design, but I guess they were using the Daleks, they were using the mechanoids, um, and as soon as we get to the mechanoid planet, you know, all gloves are off. You know, the mechanoids are back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't have those kind of weird (laughs) arms that the action figures had kind of weird mechanoid mm. arms right um, right and they're also they're also the mechanoid spoiler alert are the good guys so that also i don't know or, I wasn't or are they well that's true cliffhanger alert are they mm-hmm. the good guys now who knows mm-hmm. yeah so what, 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 what did you feel about the reintroduction of the robots from the planet mechanus mechonus uh i I, oh, <laughs> oh, you so, weren't that pleased we, with the mechanoids. Well, I, I, they're always fun, but they're they're underwhelming. I think in their uh, it's hard not to get into spoiler territory, but the mechanoids in the chase on Mechanus were a bit underwhelming, and the mechanoids at the end were a bit underwhelming too. It's uh, it's sort of like uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. Right. You know the Daleks are going to win somehow. Right. So the so mechanoids the... are kind of the Washington generals of the <laughs> Doctor Who uh, <laughs> basketball world, I guess. Yeah, I so I was a bit... Because the thing I really enjoy about the mechanoids for the very brief appearance that they have in the chase is that they do have that really... St- I was going to say stupid way of speaking, but really distinctive way of expressing themselves, mm-hmm. which is very slow right. and very kind of computery, well, 1960s computery, yes. which immediately slows the action down to a snail's pace as you kind of desperately, okay, mechanoid, get to the point. Spit it out. Spit come it on, out. Come on, mechanoid, come on, you can do it, you can do it, which I find really amusing. And I actually like, I mean, I like the way they talk in the 60s in the same way that I was, you know, the, the, the Cybermen in 10th Planet, I think. Right. Again, have great voices, but they, it does kind of alter the action a little bit because you kind of, okay, Cybermen say it. So mm-hmm. I was disappointed that they, that they didn't have those silly mechanoid voices, but that's just me. They are voiced as female, and our, our old friend Angie um, uh, from the Sarah Jane Adventures and also um, from uh, the most... Mo- Mohindra. Mohindra, exactly. I'm begging her pardon. Uh, from, the, from the Sarah Jane Adventures and also, of course, the Scorpion Queen or whatever she was in the uh, episode N- with... Nikola the, Tesla. The Nikola Tesla's Night of... Knight of Tes- Terror. Tesla-ness, yep. <laughs> so she's back. She's voicing the head mechanoid. Um, really, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty well. But the mechanoids are the kind of sympathetic characters mm-hmm. in some ways. And I, what I was really hoping for was a kind of a kind of you know no no holds barred bare knuckle battle between one evil computer race. Well, between an evil race of robot computers and then an evil race of, of cyborg robots. Um, squid computers. Squid computers. <laughs> yeah, like both sides being horrible, evil people, and you actually don't really care who wins as long as they beat each other to a pulp. I think in this one, you actually do recognize that the, uh, the, you know, the Daleks are the bad guys, the mechanoids mm-hmm. are kind of the good guys. And again, we won't give a huge amount of spoilers because this is still kind of a current excitement for people. You're, at the end, you're left with some ambiguity as to, you know, exactly who are the good guys and what has happened to the mechanoids. What do you think of, I don't think it's too spoilerific because this is at the very beginning of the big green cloud. What, well, that is... The is whole it, concept of is, that. Is, isn't that the, I always get my kind of, you know, technical terms. That's the a, a protagonist, antagonist. It's the, it's the evil, the cloud of evil from 
isn't it? From 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 another dimension or yeah, outside the galaxy. Isn't it something it must it's something to do with the Time Lord Victorious, right? It's like, I don't know, the evil cloud at the beginning of the universe that David Tennant has summoned. See, not knowing the properties beyond this and the two uh comic books that came right after it, the two Titan comic books, I don't really know and just following on because this this sets uh, its own little five-part story and then it's followed by a david tennant comic strip right comic book a couple of david tennant comic books one story i didn't really see how these fit together that well it's an episodic story with these different um, stories within this time lord victorious umbrella but it seems like stuff happens in between that you have to kind of fill in on your own so I've not picked up those comic books. Um, I'm assuming by your words um, that you mm -hmm. have read them. Yeah, I picked up the Titan Time Lord Victorious. Right. Uh, the, the story that came right after the Daleks YouTube series to see what happens next. And right, it, right. Interesting story in itself, but I didn't go beyond there. Yeah, and so I think, I think it's difficult. I mean, it, it is interesting to me that, you know, the Doctor Who has attempted to do a kind of multi-platform adventure. And I mm -hmm. think it's also interesting that they've attempted to, you know, complete it, even though I think it was decided beforehand during a pandemic. You know, I personally, I mean, you kind of alluded to this in your introduction. You know, it is kind of like, well, do what, I have to buy everything now? And that irritates me and I don't like it. And so I seldom actually do engage with multi-platform Mm -hmm. crossover stories because I think they are sort of a, just a way to make you buy things which you know I guess everyone's needing money right now so maybe we should be buying things mm -hmm. but um, I think they're really hard to do they're hard to do effectively because it is a fine balance between really screwing everyone over and saying okay you have to buy everything in order to understand the story mm -hmm. and then also well you could just listen to the big finish audio and it would be okay and I think if you want to do a multi-platform story, I really think you just have to go all in and say, you have to get everything, including the T-shirt, otherwise none of this will make sense. I think to try and do it half and half means everyone is a little bit dissatisfied. The completists are dissatisfied because it doesn't really quite fit together as it should. And the non-completists are dissatisfied because they don't get to see the whole picture. I think what the problem was is the roadmap that the BBC put out initially is confusing as all get up and it's not a linear story and there's different entryways you can enter from the David Tennant angle which is going to be the defender of the Daleks the comic book or you could enter in from the Daleks story which is starting with this uh, YouTube series but then you could also enter in from the master or you can enter in from Brian the Ood or you can enter in from the eighth doctor you can enter in from different storylines and their linear squiggly well twisty doesn't explain that so i went to uh blocked who oh uh, interesting dot com and they have a much more of like a london underground map oh. of how the stories fit together and you can kind of see where the where the different strands interact and if you want to follow the 10th doctor line or the 8th doctor line and some are heavier with uh big finish audio some are more freebies and stuff now i think where it alienated me or turned me off as a fan is sort of like i don't understand how all this fits together and i'm not seeing a lot of continuity here thus it seems like a money grab if it was more 
yes, this is how it all fits together. And here it's like, choose your own path. You can start here right. if you're really interested and start there rather than say, yeah, here's our release cycle. Right. Rather than saying, here is the storyline because ultimately you want to follow the story. You don't really want to buy everything. But you could pick, I just want to follow the 10th Doctor's adventures and maybe take a few side tricks. And that would have been a lot clearer. Yeah. I, 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 and again, I, I have increasingly little, t- little time. <laughs> well, we just don't have time. No, we don't. And again, I think it's always interesting that these, you know, these things are kind of geared towards people apparently who spend literally every waking hour consuming Doctor Who product, which, you know, I, I would love that to be a thing that I could do, mm-hmm. but it isn't because I have other demands on my time, like earning money and having a family. So to me, if, uh, now I guess we're getting on to doing a critique of, of Time Lord Victorious. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 mean, I agree with you. To, to ha- it's insanely ambitious to have a story where you can come in from any point and pick, mm-hmm. and pick it up. And I think it's really, really hard to do. They've been reviewing some of these Time Lord Victorious books in DWM. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. again, I've been reading that and a consensus seems to be, yeah, it's a good story, but it's a little bit unsatisfying because it, ha- it has to fit into the Time Lord Victorious right. storyline. Um, I mean, here's a question. Did, you may have already answered this and I wasn't listening, but did watching this Dalek animation encourage you to get more involved in Time Lord Victorious as a story? It did make me want to go look at how this was structured. It right. did make me want to seek out what happened next. Uh, so I did look for the comics, but I don't have any real desire to go beyond it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the character of Brian the Ood, the t-shirt is interesting, but it's 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 not that <laughs> captivating to me. Right. I would be excited to see more of this Dalek animation, though. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much it costs to make, and obviously I've, there's no way to find out. I guess, you know, I don't know how the budget for Time Lord Victorious is sliced up between all the different properties from T-shirt makers to escape room people to, you know, Dalek animators. But it seems to me that there are so many awesome Dalek tales to be told uh, using this style and using... The, I mean, you know, again, just mm-hmm. going back to Mechmaster, you know, there's decades of kind of crazy Dalek stories that you could tell if that was something that you wanted to do. And I, 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 w- I would like to see more of it. So from what I can tell or for what I understand is I, I listened to a podcast for the love of and they interviewed Lee Binding, who is mates with uh, James Goss. And as Lee Binding explained it, yeah, the BBC studios came to Goss and said, this is what we want to do, how we're going to do it. So he and Lee went to the pub and they <laughs> they brainstormed. Goss doesn't drink, Lee Binding does. And uh, so Lee Binding is an un- unreliable narr- <laughs> narrator at this point. But uh, supposedly he came up with like the character of uh, Brian the Oon and says, you need to have this and this. And they were kind of bouncing ideas off each other. So they BBC Studios wanted this huge thing, I think, to fill this off year where the Cardiff team led by uh, Chibnall wasn't gosh, producing yeah. producing right. anything. So why not get all these other creators get a big finish in because they have a pretty good solid team that's working through the pandemic and the comic writers and illustrators all need work. And so we can all tie this together. And it's kind of like if you, I'm sure you weren't part of this, but like collectible card games like uh, Magic the Gathering gotcha, or whatever. Yeah. 
it's sort of like, well, then people can just buy as many or experience anything. And of course, the first hit is free, which is the YouTube video. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, I'm, yeah, this yeah. is this is for the kids and I am not the target audience. It was, it was like I said, thank you for having me sit down and watch this Dalek serial because Goss tells a really good story for very limited voice actors, very limited animation resources where you basically have R41. Uh, at the very beginning, you got some Cylon-looking humanoids blasting away on space platforms. You have the archivist, and, but then it's basically this cloud, green cloud, uh, the Daleks and the mechanoids. Yeah. I wonder if the mechanoids, if they carry the mechanoids, they must carry the mechanoids through into other other platforms, right? They must do. I don't know. Because they're, in, they're introduced I, I really strongly here, which is weird because I've, I've not actually seen them referenced mm-hmm. on is what I've read about um, Time Lord Victorious, which I have to admit isn't a huge amount because I'm, I said I, I don't have the energy mm-hmm. at this point in my, in my life um, to, to really engage with it. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I forgot. There was another slight... I talked about my slight disappointment with the me- mechanoids that they weren't as... Their speech wasn't quite as laboured as I had been mm-hmm. hoping and they didn't have those funny arms that they have. Um, I also was a little bit disappointed that the Dalek Emperor, who literally, when I was a kid, was my favourite really? Doctor, Who, Doctor Who character. The Dalek mm. Emperor is so cool. He's like mm-hmm. haughty and he has this kind of gaudy outfit that he wears mm-hmm. and he's kind of driven and he's totally in control of the Daleks and doesn't take any crap from anybody. The design, um, which I guess must be Richard Jennings from the 60s strips, as enhanced by Ron Turner, he has this kind of squat golden body. So he's actually shorter than a regular Dalek. And he right. has this giant round head, like a, like a giant mushroom or something. And he just looks so punchy and great. They diluted that design a little bit. They made this Dalek Emperor more in keeping with the, with the 2005 Dalek redesign. His head right. is a lot smaller. If you remember, of course, to uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, um, you will remember that the uh, Dalek Emperor is revealed as Davros. And um, that is the, again, that was the TV show trying to kind of reimagine hmm. the 1960s uh, Dalek Emperor design. Again, not entirely successful. Mm-hmm. But I was a bit disappointed that they didn't take the opportunity to, to basically do that Dalek Emperor because he, he's so, he's just so great. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a fan, so I'm completely, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, I'm not an objective commentator here when it comes to the 1960s Dalek Emperor from the mm-hmm. comic strips. He's just the best. Yeah. So Rant over. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I, I mean, he, it's obviously the best Emperor Dalek, that squat golden one. It has a Napoleonic air, but it's not something yes, that they that's want That's exactly to... what I was trying to find out. You're try, exactly what you're trying to see. He's, he's like Napoleon. He's just mm-hmm. nuts right. and very cool. <laughs> right, and they just don't want to go with it. I don't, I don't understand it, but you know, that's they have their reasons. They must have had their reasons. Yep, yep, yep. I yep. was, I was wondering when thinking about James Goss and his connection with Doctor Who, because way back at the pre pre relaunch, pre two thousand five, early two thousands, he was the uh, curator of the Doctor Who website for the BBC. So he was the one who was, uh, I think, responsible for getting the telesnaps up on the BBC website. But his big, big thing was he commissioned the animation for episodes one and four 
of the invasion from oh, really? Kasparov Hall. Yeah. Interesting. So indirectly, or I guess directly, he is the one we have to thank for these animations. And I, I, I just wonder, because he's, he's had his fingers in with just a lot of Doctor Who things over the years, uh, just writing novelizations like for City of Death and right. uh, co-writing Scratch Man with Tom Baker yeah, yeah. most recently. I just wonder if, you know, obviously he's a go-to guy for the BBC, but if the this Daleks uh, web series is maybe a taste of the future. When the show ultimately goes on hiatus, are we going to see right. more of a, a, a 3D t- animated uh thing sort of like uh like what they did with star wars or what they do with star wars yeah and i think yeah i i I, that's a that's an excellent that's an excellent observation and it's yeah i think you're right they do seem to be kind of experimenting with okay if doctor who should become something that's animated or well okay if we have to try and do something else with doctor who say for instance it's not on tv as Mm -hmm. as you ably pointed out like it wasn't last year what does doctor who look like Mm-hmm. That is a. I had not thought of that. That is a. That is a very astute analysis. Um, because of course, as as I mean, I I don't think either of us really follow Star Wars that much. Um, no. But you know, the animated adventures of the Star Wars robots or whatever they are. I don't know. Um, the Star Wars people uh, <laughs> <laughs> has been a huge success. And there's now, as again, as I understand it, the Star Wars animated people are starting to cross over into live action with Mandalorian thing and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So the BBC could be like, OK, you know, at some point, Doctor Who is we're not going to be doing it on TV or maybe we are. Who knows um, how how does this work as animation? How would what what works well as animation and what works badly? OK, what works well as animation are our robot characters particularly right. our robot characters that have hard edges, Daleks, mechanoids. Right. I just wonder, like, with the BBC Studios is thinking of how to get more Doctor Who content out there, like Star Trek now, I think they have uh, Picard, but they also have uh, Below Decks. Oh, that Below Decks thing, yeah. I think you're going to want the Doctor in, in, in some form, but you're going to have, like, the Shalka Doctor or yeah. or another regeneration. Maybe we have the 14th Doctor that's animated or, right. or with uh, Chibnall and the Timeless Doctors where you have an infinite number of Doctors. Yep. Well, you could have Anybody. Uh, Dr. Ruth animated form or basically you've you've you you no longer have 13 14 doctors you have as many doctors as you need for whatever marketing or sales reason story reason you need yeah for whatever whatever job you want to do you have you have a doctor mm-hmm. I, I i'd also say i mean again this is me thinking about your observation you're also maybe you're you're experimenting with doctorless stories mm. so like terry nation you know was desperately not desperately you know one of his things he wanted to do in the 60s early 70s was you know get the daleks off the ground as their own standalone property you know the dalek annuals right of course the comic strip in century 21 um you know the the approach to america etc 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 as admirably documented in 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 terry nation army again on youtube there was a point in the six, uh, late 60s when it looked like that actually the Daleks could be their own standalone thing. So again, this maybe this could be an experiment. Okay, what would a standalone Dalek show look like? What would the Daleks do? And uh, it's, it's, 
you know, I mean, I, again, I mean, I'm uh, now I'm kind of just kind of warming to my theme. I mean, there was the Dalek Empire series that Big Finish produced again about a you know decade, decade and a half ago or so, um, which I actually didn't really get into that much. It, I, I often find as much as we love him, uh, Briggs's writing can be a little bit difficult for me to get into. And he wrote all of the Dalek Empire stuff. But again, that was <laughs> like, OK, what do the Daleks do when they're on their own? Right. Who do they fight? Um, what do they get up to? What is their what? What do they need? You know, what do they need to make themselves exciting? And again, I'm biased. I return to those '60s Dalek strips, and Daleks can have lots of really interesting adventures. And what makes the Daleks interesting when they're having their adventures is that they're kind of the villains, mm -hmm. but you're rooting for them, and they're the original Tony Soprano, you know, Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is villain villain that you love which is the clever thing that goss did with this daleks youtube series is you did kind of start backing the daleks trying to cheer on the daleks but i wonder if that would work effectively uh as a long-term series basically you're siding with a, a genocidal evil is that <laughs> is that really what you're well, what you want to be promoting <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, again, I mean, I, I found myself cheering on the Daleks on the, on the YouTube show, A, because I love the Daleks, and also right. B, you know, the, the mechanoids were kind of, you know, mechanoids are always a bit crap, and they kind of sort of made them crapper, in my opinion. So it's like, yeah, the mechanoids, they can, they're easy, they're, they're, they're easy to kill. The Daleks will soon make a short, short work of them. But I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, again, if we compare to the Star Wars universe and the kind of the, the, the success, and I, you know, I'm, I think both of us speak from a large dollop of ignorance about anything in the Star Wars universe, but it certainly <laughs> appears to me that stories told from the perspective of the Empire are also successful stories, um, and that there are characters who have arisen from spin-off media of Star Wars, be it comics or animated series or novelizations, that are right. Empire, i.e. evil characters, that have become very popular. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessary, but I mean, again, obviously, it's, I, in some ways, maybe it's harder to identify with Daleks because they're not human, mm -hmm. but they are super cool. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I identify very strongly with Daleks, as, as you might imagine. Um, mm -hmm. The 10 year old in you was screaming for joy with this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daleks, for joy. Yeah. Daleks are just, they're, yeah, they're just, they're just hard, basically. Daleks do not, do not. Daleks don't care. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, in some ways, you know, it's the kind of cliche that, you know, little kids love dinosaurs so much because dinosaurs just walk around stamping on people and they don't care. Um, right. Similarly, similarly with Daleks. Daleks, like, they just don't They just like, we are the Daleks. You're going to die. <laughs> Deal with it. We're Daleks. That's right. what we do. And it's, it's very kind of, they're very kind of liberating in a way. I find the kind of sort of humanization, or not humanization, which is, again, I mean, the... Humanization in a way that the, the, the Davrosization of Daleks, and we've talked about this before, obviously, right. you know, such a retrograde step to me because, as we know from watching Power and Evil and any number of other Dalek shows, um, Dalek mm -hmm. stories, Daleks can they don't need a creator, they don't need a human face right. to do their stuff. The Daleks have got enough stuff going on and they can get it going without a Davros to help them. But I think it's arguably that they do need humans or people to around that they're conflicting with or manipulating for us to relate to them ultimately. I think if you had a series, uh, a Netflix type series, you're going to want to 
have humans or people in there that you can root for, not just the Daleks. Yeah, I, I, I guess I haven't actually got the 60s Dalek strip bookazine to hand right now, but um, they do go up against humanoid races mm. in those Dalek strips. And for the majority of the time, the humanoid races are, you know, they have to fight back against the Daleks. Right. But the, the Daleks always win because it's the Dalek strip, so they're not going to lose. Mm-hmm. There is a humanoid race that uh, attacks the Daleks and you think the Daleks are defeated and then the Daleks have to sneakily fight back and kind of overthrow their conquerors. Right. So there, um, there, 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 there are things you can do that, mm-hmm. you know, that make Daleks, you know, the, the, they, I, I, I think they're just so, more, so much more exciting when you let them get on with it rather than... When the than, doctor isn't involved. <laughs> yeah, when the do- well, A, the doctor isn't involved, but also B, when Davros isn't involved. Where the, right. the Daleks are just up to their own devices, they're being sneaky, they're being clever, mm-hmm. they're being manipulative, they're just being cool. You just got to let Daleks be Daleks, man. Um, yeah, it's their thing. Daleks, yeah. they do it. Yeah. And as this uh, five-part YouTube series shows, when you let Daleks be Daleks, it's pretty awesome. It's, there's nothing more awesome than Daleks just doing their Dalek thing. <laughs> uh, especially that great double act of the Emperor, even though he needs a bit of redesign, and the, and the strategist. They're just, mm-hmm. just a, they're just a great double act. Um, so you're a, I mean, obviously you're a, you know, you're a big Troughton second Doctor booster. And so presumably your Dalek Emperor is the boomy static Dalek Emperor of Evil of the Daleks. How do you find that interacts with the less static, more golden Emperor, <laughs> emperor of this particular Dalek story? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. It's, it's, it's okay. I, I like the uh, uh, do not fight in the war room Emperor Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Doctor, I guess Doctor Strange love uh, Dalek, but uh, uh, sure it works. I think the Dalek universe is big enough for both types of Daleks, and you could have competing Dalek factions too. Indeed, exactly. I mean, I think that's that is actually one of the more successful innovations of the kind of post Genesis era of Dalekness is to have Dalek factions and Daleks kind of warring against each other and Daleks, you know, kind of um, uh, uh, misunderstanding what they're up to, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, I, I, we haven't got on to mm-hmm. talking about the most recent New Year's Day uh, uh, revolution of the Daleks, but, you know, there's obviously an element of that in that. Well, as the world's religions have shown us, there's always going to be schisms and... Yep. Yep. There's going to be uh, interesting warfare between the diver- di- various different sects and uh, yeah. beliefs, belief <laughs> structures. So, and and, and D- Daleks, even though they are amazing scientists and therefore in some way quite creative, they are quite rigid in their thinking. So, hmm. you know, if they get the wrong idea about something, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to change their minds. So they're, they're tailor-made <laughs> for schisms and revolutions and mm-hmm. factions, I think. Right. Yes. Right. Yep. And even there is hint of it in this five-part series. So Indeed. it's it's uh, definitely in the Dalek DNA to it have is. these uh, crafty, plotting, scheming bits. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it interests me. I think with, uh, like, the Cybermen, it's always pretty clear how you would get a lead Cyberman or a Cyber Controller or something like that, S- since they're very logical and it, it seems like they would just go along with this idea, kind of uh, 
uh, a computerized uh, way of doing things. But with a Dalek thing, I would see more of a War of Roses competition type between them for who is ultimately going to be the Dalek Emperor and right. have more more uh, uh, Dalek political intrigue. Well, there is. I mean, there is some of that in the in the Century Twenty One strips, which I, you know, I will continue to endlessly recommend to anyone who's mm-hmm. listening. There, you know, the, the 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 Dalek Emperor does face a challenger, and he has to, you know, has to scheme his way out of being the underdog for a bit. And certainly, when Scaro is taken over by an evil blue alien race, mm-hmm. um, whose names currently escapes me, um, you know, the, again, the Daleks have to scheme and plan to kind of win the day back. I, but I actually, I do like your kind of Game of Thrones oh. <laughs> proposal for Daleks. Different Dalek fashions, different Dalek houses. Each has a slightly different take on what it, what it means to be a Dalek. Um, pure Dalek, yep. Yeah, what, 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 is, what is the pure Dalek? Let's get them all fighting against each other. Just having a skim through uh, the, uh, you know, the Mechmaster Second Empire um, stories. You know, there's, you know, there's undersea Daleks. There's the whole spider Dalek thing. You know, which mm-hmm. periodically kind of raises its raises its ugly head in comic strips and and stories. There's there's lots of great Dalek tales to be told, because you know Daleks are you know they are what are they you know they are they are kind of realpolitik. You know Daleks are only about winning, mm-hmm. and if you have two different factions and they both want to win, then what's going to happen? So Daleks. On a slightly different note, but still kind of related to comics and whatnot, what is the deal? Did DWM explain why they're putting their comic strip on hiatus? Um, I, I've not actually got the most recent issue. So all I've been reading is about this is from social media. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's pretty obvious it's, it's too expensive. Hmm. And really? Yeah. Uh, it's, I think especially in, in this era when... You know, researching who is has become so much cheaper that actually paying someone to write a story, paying someone to draw that story, paying someone to ink that story, paying someone to color that story is always going to be the most expensive thing. And I think at a time of a pandemic when... They're cutting corners you know, to stay afloat. <laughs> yeah, you know, unless you've really got to try and survive via subscription, you know, mm-hmm. there aren't many people going to WH Smith and picking up a random copy of, of mm-hmm. Doctor Who magazine. They've got mm-hmm. to cut costs somehow. And the first thing you look at is the most expensive thing, which everybody loves the comic strip, but, you know, it's not the most... Like this is heresy because I don't believe this, but you know, one could certainly see that for some readers, it's not the most important thing in Doctor Who magazine. Mm-hmm. One thing that's instructional or uh, that was instructive to me is that the the last, the story that's just concluded, where um, I can't remember what it's called now, but the Doctor goes to Hong Kong and meets Bruce Lee, um, and it's it's <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, is written by Scott Gray, who's the kind of in-house. Doctor Who comic book writer, and I think is an absolute genius, a huge fan of Scott's work, um, is also drawn by him as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I'm not, I've, I've met Scott, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I can't just ask him a question. Um, but I would suspect that having him draw the comic strip as well as write it is probably, again, was a variety of cost-saving measure. Um, mm. And they probably just run up against, and Scott, he, he edits various properties within the kind of Panini empire um so mm-hmm. you know he's not out of a job you know he's he's, he's basically his full-time job is you know, he's editing various magazines but you know it seems to me that they've said okay it's just too expensive to pay everybody to get this right and i think 
again, there's a, there's an idea that you know writing comics are, are cheap. Well, they can be cheap if you don't pay people right. And I think again, it's kind of ethical, really, in some ways, of Marcus Hearn and the team at DWM. So, okay, we're not going to try and drive down the price of this. We're not going to say, you know, we need this done cheaper. They've just said, okay, this is a high quality product and we're not going to do it on the cheap. We, mm. We've tried to cut costs by getting the writer to draw it. That's clearly something that's not sustainable over time because he's got other work to do. We're just going to put it on hiatus and when, you know, the market has upswung from the pandemic, we can reinstate the comic strip. So I, I come from a different background, a non creative background i would have thought that there is enough people who would do this for less and would see this as i i would be getting paid it might not be uh as much as a known name would be getting paid for story and for artwork but it's not volunteer it's actually a paid gig and why not throw the property open to unknowns or less the non Alan Moores of the world, whatever, you know, the, the non big names of yeah. people who are doing it. Well, I mean, there's a, I mean, you know, one could, I mean, I've seen that as a suggestion. I've also seen people suggesting, well, why don't they just repeat some of the great strips from mm. the seventies? Um, well, you that's know. probably going to be as expensive though, too. Well, again, I think, you know, it depends who owns the Pertwee strips, for instance, you know, well, how much is it going to, mm -hmm. I think there's been a pressure moving from several years to actually re reissue certainly the Pertwee run. Um, from TV comic, but that is always founded by, I think, with really not being entirely sure who owns them, etc. Right. So there is so there's people saying, well, why don't you just repeat those? You know, I mean, I get where you're coming from. You're, my knowledge is, I don't know. I mean, I have a little bit of knowledge about, around this area. Mm -hmm. It's harder than most people think to make an mm -hmm. effective comic strip. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like it should be pretty easy to get a writer. He does a he or she does a script. And you get an artist, you get an inker, you get the colorist, and bam. Um, I'm more wondering, it seems to me like this, a comic in DWM or DWW was always kind of, it was there initially to sell comics. And to remove that from the magazine, it seems to be a sense of loss. And I'm, I'm one of the people that would pull off a copy of DWM and not look at the comic. And I wouldn't follow along because it's just not for me. But for right. a person like you, it's, it is something significant. And there is, I think, a sense of loss in the Doctor Who community who are readers of DWM who read it for the comic. Yeah, and here's another factor, that Doctor Who comics in general, certainly you know, under the Titan and IDW imprints, have you know, taken off hugely um, and are very successful as standalone comic books. Right. It may be the feeling that actually, you know, this is kind of worse than I'm proposing. There may be a feeling here that actually it's time for DWM to like literally drop the comic strip forever and be concentrated on, on being, you know, a, a fan-orientated factual magazine for mm. fans of the show. And people who like comics can go and read the monthly, weekly, you know, floppies. Right. Which, you know, again, what I think the way the money often works with the kind of monthly, weekly comics is that you sell them once and then you collect them into a single volume and you sell them again. You know, they're kind of endlessly, not endlessly, but, you know, they're very recyclable. Um, and Panini have certainly made, you know, had had a good, I think, had a reasonably good success in 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 again selling complete volumes of the Doctor Who magazine 
comic strip. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a feeling that actually this is finally time for the magazine and the comic strip to part ways and actually, okay, they're two different things. Right. Um, I think that's a shame um, because it has, there's a lot of continuity here. You know, this is Doctor Who magazine's one of the longest running kind of fan mags, you know, mm-hmm. in the history of magazines based around television shows that people like. Yeah, um, and that also makes the the comic strip, you know, mm-hmm. one of the longest running comic strips in that way as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a shame, but I don't know. All I hope is that people like Martin Garrity and people like Mike Collins, two artists who worked on the strip, mm-hmm. and people like Scott Gray, who is the genius writer of the Doctor Who magazine comic strip, get still to do Doctor Who stuff. Um, it mm-hmm. would be to me. I mean, Mike does a lot of storyboarding for kind of BBC properties. He lives in Cardiff. Martin Garrity, I think, mainly works in advertising. He lives up in Manchester. They're fine. You know, they've got plenty of work. But if Mm -hmm. Scott Gray stops writing Doctor Who comics, that'll be a real blow because he's very, very, very good indeed. Mm -hmm. I wonder if DWM is trying to figure out what its niche is because... For pure scholarly research, we have Nothing at the End of the Lane, right. uh, Richard Bignall's publication, which comes out, which I think goes deeper dives than DWM ever will do, and uh, Vorp Vorp, which is kind of a look back at the comics nice. and ha- has its own take on it. And with Chipnell really not being the showman that RTD was, or even even lesser than Moffat was with uh, promoting the the show and the show being on so infrequently that there's a little bit of a looking in the mirror wondering what they're doing because they can't really be terribly critical because Cardiff doesn't want them to be terribly critical. It's become really even more so just almost a marketing mouthpiece. And if you lose that creative, uh, guaranteed creative new vital bit of the comic strip um yeah and i you know again i mean you you know you read dwm as as a you know digitally i still pathetically buy it as a as you know as a physical artifact mm-hmm. i think it has picked up i think it went to a real crisis period after the whole the whole nick peg debacle and it you know there are elements of it that are still very much you know, they're obviously, you know, praising the show. Um, there is relatively little critique of the show as it currently is shown. Right. Um, I do confess that even though I do buy it as a physical artifact, I am finding myself skipping over the majority of articles about the contemporary show because they're just too hagiographical for me. I just, I just can't. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. Okay, I know the show is awesome, but if you just keep on telling me that over and over again, I'm going to start to turn off eventually. So I, again, I mean, I would hope maybe this is you know the discussion for another podcast, but I hope that we aren't coming to a point where, as you say, you know, Doctor Who magazine actually finds itself to start to go the way of the Torchwood magazine, Mm. you know, the various Star Trek magazines, where, you know, it is so much the mouthpiece of a current show that actually it becomes sort of irrelevant and people aren't interested anymore. And this comic strip going away, as you say, could be the the last bit of actual creativity that kind of drains out of the magazine. Mm -hmm. I do very much enjoy the, you know, the research articles in Doctor Who magazine, but again... It's possible that I may be a dwindling number of people who enjoy those articles. I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to say, and I'm sure that it's a tough time for any print medium. And yeah. to make that leap into the, the digital realm, where there's a lot of competing publications, but even just freebies off of Twitter or people's blogs and stuff. I just yeah. read a really detailed uh, everything you needed to know about Pebble Mill, the 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 hallway at Pebble Mill where they have filmed various interviews and whatnot. Right. So, right or Pebble Mill at one. Here's another good example. Thanks to DWM and Alan Barnes's kind of deconstructions of a, of a story each month, um, I was introduced to the um, Pink for Your Actual Pterodactyl website, yeah. where the, which is like the chairs of 70s Doctor Who, which mm -hmm. I find completely fascinating. Mm -hmm. But okay, that's a level of research that you know obviously isn't going to be in a magazine, isn't really going to be for anybody apart from people who are really interested. And uh, yeah, you know, that kind of in-depth stuff. Yeah, that, that's exactly the blog that I read the history of the Pebble Mill foyer. Oh, right. Was that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I guess I only got stuck on the chairs. I didn't. I was kind of just <laughs> reviewing all of those and go, yeah, that is that mm -hmm. chair. But I will have to re reacquaint myself with your actual pterodactyl. Um, but yeah, you know, it's where the magazine fits now, I think, is a challenge. I mean, you know, Marcus Hearn is a very, very skilled editor. He's a very, very skilled writer and mediator of popular cult, particularly sci-fi properties. Mm -hmm. um, he knows what he's doing. And in some ways, that may actually be a concern because he knows what he's doing. Um, mm -hmm. Someone who maybe is less of a, an expert in how you do this would make a decision to kind of forge ahead and see and try and make it work. Marcus Hearn may be like, well, you know, this may not work yeah, at all. I, he may have just, too much knowledge about what works and what doesn't. I just wonder if we need a wilderness year again, a purification. Purification, if <laughs> you will. A great purification. Exactly, yeah. A purge. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're in a... In, since since the uh, 50th anniversary, I guess we're coming up to a 60th anniversary here and yeah, not too... Are. In a couple of years' time, but it does seem a little bit rudderless, and I wonder if it's just because of the show not being on as frequently, and now the pandemic is really making it even hard to even produce ten episode show. Where I think we're going to get down to eight, and we're going to yeah. be grateful to have eight new episodes. And you are right, and you know, I mean, one of the things that again I think was interesting is there was I saw way more publicity about. Um, maybe this is just the people that I pay attention to way more publicity about the DVD reissues and Time Lord Victorious seem to me to be promoted far more than your actual new episode of Doctor Who on New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me interesting to me that, you know, I was reading so little about Revolution of the Daleks and so much about various season box sets and, um, and Time Lord Victorious. Mm -hmm. you know bringing back captain jack i don't know it's i don't know yeah who knows who knows who knows mm -hmm. well we'll we'll see what we happens. will see yeah. i mean we'll see yeah uh i think that what doctor who has proven over that's uh what 58 years Very resilient now, that it is around for the long haul and as long as there's fans with some interest or uh recollection to their 10 year old daleks <laughs> enjoyment <laughs> of daleks that we're always going to have uh, daleks have brilliant. new New stories, new content uh, coming, whether it's being fan-generated or professionally written and crafted. Just because just I've just actually been able to discover it using the power of the internet, um, the, blue, the race of blue-skinned aliens who finally beat the Daleks <laughs> and invade Skaro are the, are the imaginatively named Monstrons. 
Mm, that's a Terry Nation name there. Some monstrons. They're probably from the planet Monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so for those of you who are wondering who they were, it's the monstrons. Um, they are mm -hmm. the people. Yeah. There you go, Daleks. Um, interesting discussion, I think, came out of yeah. watching watching that. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I was a bit nervous recommending that to you because I know that um, you probably don't enjoy... Well, I know you don't enjoy the Daleks quite <laughs> as much as I do, but I'm very glad that you enjoyed that uh, yes. YouTube series and we recommend it to our readers yes. and listeners. I, I, do, I do enjoy James Goss's writing and I, yeah. I, I thank you for that. And yeah. thank James Goss for that too. Indeed. Well done, James. Thank you. All right. Well... Thank you for listening to episode 182 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been craftively planning how to defeat mechanoids with Ben. And I have been falling madly in love again with the Daleks with David. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Daleks conquer and destroy. Um, can't do a Dalek voice. Um, great. Uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.